0: Welcome listeners to season two, episode twelve of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And before we get into this week's horror film, we have some huge news for you.
1: Our next episode will feature an interview with the star of A24's film Hereditary, Millie Shapiro.
0: Pew pew pew. pew, pew. Ready for some insider knowledge like never before on our podcast as we discuss anything and everything with Charlie slash King Payman themselves. But for now, on with today's regularly scheduled programming. This week we watched The Conjuring from 2013, but first we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this drink as a throwback to our first episode with a 1970s
1: flair. Wasn't Annabelle also in the 70s? Yeah. Because it was like a couple days after this, (laughs) the events of this movie. (laughs) But I'm so proud.
0: Of oh, my yeah. drink.
1: This is probably the fanciest one that you've made. Yeah. Yes. Mine was the Wreck. I think Wreck was my fanciest one. I like that one, too. This is definitely a char drink. This is something that I would order from Tuck or wherever
0: we go, and I would just drink it all night long. I am really, really happy that I made this, um, but to go with what I was feeling as I was making this drink, I definitely did uh, take a huge inspiration from the first drink we ever made which was the Annabelle, Mm -hmm. but I had some gin in there instead of the vodka that we used originally. It's the Woods Spirit Co's gin. Thank you, Woods. Yeah. We just got blue Curacao, and I thought that that would help make it kind of like ghostly looking like I don't want to make it sound gross looking, but it definitely looks like the dead bodies in the film.
1: It's ethereal.
0: (laughs) It's like a purpley gray color uh, that worked out really nicely, and it kind of looks like the
1: spirits in the movie—not not just the dead bodies, yeah. But the, sorry, that's yeah. what I meant to
0: say. Yeah, the, the demons of
1: the movie. But what do you think? It's really good. Uh, it's got like the fruity flavor, but you can still tell that there's gin in there, which I do like from a gin drink. I feel like any gin drink that makes it not taste like gin anymore is just pointless. You mm-hmm. might as well use vodka, which. Usually has a lot less flavor. So, yeah, I like that there's enough of the gin flavor in there that you can tell it's a gin drink. It feels very classic and and ethereal at the same time.
0: Yes. I gave you the nice fancy cup. We only have one of those. So you're welcome.
1: Mm, it's the flat one <laughs> that you would usually find pretentious drinks in. Yes.
0: Clearly a shower drink. Yeah, and there's lemon juice in there, uh, which helps it with the tartness. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, so if you want to know the full recipe, you're going to have to head to patreon.com slash drink and
1: scream. Yes. And then we will give you all of the recipes of these delicious drinks that we make in the end times. And you can buy all the the ingredients and bring them down to your bunker and make them when the world ends. Or when demons start infestating, infestating,
0: infestating. Yep. Your house.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think it might just be infesting. Wait. Yes. That sounds wrong, too. Words are bad. Whoever came up with them. Words. Bad choice.
0: And I call this drink. Sadie says, get out. I named it after the dog.
1: Yeah, because dogs are fucking smart. And they know that a a house is haunted by demons and to not go live in there.
0: So this week, we watched The Conjuring from 2013. It premiered on July 19th of that year. It's written by Chad and Carrie W. Hayes, and it's directed by James Wan. It's starring Vera Farmiga as Lorraine Warren. I feel like that's not how you say her last name. Farmiga? That doesn't sound right either.
1: Farmiga? I don't know.
0: Patrick Wilson, let's just move past it. As Ed Warren, Lily Taylor as loving mother Carolyn Perrin, and Ron Livingston as husband Roger Perrin,
1: and then a bunch of kids.
0: Yeah, like, there's the kid from uh, Breaking Dawn in there, the, the the
1: one that the werewolf wants to bone, the
0: highly CGI'd baby that is. She's reached her full form of I don't know, seven, ten year old. I
1: don't know when are kids humans. <laughs> Like 20? When does life begin? Like 20. Before, <laughs> before 20, you can legally kill a child.
0: <laughs> um, I got a synopsis off of IMDb from our dear friend Claudio. I doctored it a little bit, as always. But if you would like your synopsis to be featured, email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. And we'll read your lovely synopsis of the film that we're watching that week. In 1971, family man Roger Perrin and his wife, Carolyn, move to an old farmhouse in Rhode Island with their daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy and April. The family finds a hidden basement, the entrance of which is boarded up with planks. Soon they are haunted by noises and ghosts that begin to terrorize the family. Roger goes off on a work trip, leaving the ladies of the house alone and things really get bad. Carolyn gets locked in the basement as her children are terrorized by multiple different ghosts. The next day, when Roger is home, Carolyn goes to a talk with the famous paranormal investigators, Lorraine and Ed Warren, based on real life people. She asks them to help her and her family, to which they agree. Meanwhile, we see that Lorraine's well-being has started to get impacted by taking on too many difficult cases. The Warrens visit the family home and Lorraine and Ed feel that the house is possessed by a demon. Lorraine and Ed bring their friends, Drew and Brad, to help them collect enough evidence to convince the church that an exorcism is necessary to save the parent family from this evil. The Warrens discover that a satanic witch committed suicide at their property after sacrificing her baby to Satan, cursing any who tried to live on her land. Over the years, the farmland had been sold off in chunks, with death following anyone who purchased some of the acres. Now that's a lot of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> the Warrens realize they have to perform the exorcism themselves when Carolyn tries to kill two of her young daughters in the house's basement due to being possessed by this demon. After a huge battle with the demon, the Warrens and Perrin family succeed and live a happily ever after life. Dot dot dot. Or do
1: they? Yes. <laughs> Yes, they do. <laughs>
0: Hit me with that trailer audio.
1: Also, what's the deal with coastal states and being just incredibly haunted? Like Maine, Massachusetts? No, that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> Massachusetts? Massachusetts? And Rhode Island, like all these places apparently witches congregate to and make it haunted with demons and shit? Yeah. And like clowns come kill your children? Yeah. Stay away from a man. I'm going to get you now. I can hear you breathing. <laughs> you took your blindfold off. I win. I was in Christine and Nancy's room.
0: That was really, really good because it was just basically a scene or like a concept of the film, but it didn't give anything away of the story. No,
1: it was basically like a short film. Yeah. Like you could call that movie the clap or something or the clapping game,
0: (laughs) the clap. (laughs) I almost named the drink that. But then I thought, no, Ah, we made a delicious (laughs) drink, the clap.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, you could call that trailer the clapping game and just call it a short film.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, seeing the trailer. This is a movie that I remember distinctly like seeing in theaters and stuff. Oh, yeah. And um, the trailer did such a good job of scaring me that I already had such high stakes (laughs) going into the theater, sitting down and watching that it really amped up all the fear factor that was in there.
1: Yeah, I definitely think this was this might have been when I was just starting to get into horror movies. So I wasn't really willing to go see one in theaters. And then I just never saw it uh, in my living room until you and I watched it years later. Right. So this has a a warm place in my heart because you introduced it to to me. Wee. In addition to the two other movie series that I always get the name mixed up with. Which are? Insidious and Sinister.
0: Yes. Which, Insidious, to be fair, is the same director and the same lead character. Yes.
1: Or but, actor, I should but say. But then that leads into sin- Sinister and Insidious, which both have the sin... Yes. ...sound effect. Even to the point, like, don't the Warrens show up in Insidious? Doesn't the, like, old lady work with the Warrens at some point? Or is that Amniville Horror?
0: Amityville is based on the same couple, yeah. the Warrens. Um, I don't want to get too much into their story. Oh, actually, this is a good thing to say now. I don't, in the Scaredy Facts, I go too much into detail about the Warrens because our Annabelle episode really talked a lot about that. Yeah. So if you want to fig- find out more about the Warrens and their uh, history, you should definitely listen to that episode. But in regards to Insidious, I'm not sure if they show up in there,
1: but Amityville is one their, their biggest case if anything there's probably like a avengers style stinger at the end of insidious where nick fury walks out of the shadows up to the old lady and it's like i'm making a ghost fighting team (laughs) i have the warrants yeah they're the first ghost avengers
0: it is cool that this episode or this movie though starts with the annabelle
1: story oh yeah i think we talked about this in annabelle where conjuring does this thing where they'll sort of introduce plots that don't affect the movie that they're in just for the opportunity to later split (laughs) off into a new movie, which like for me is like the Avengers, which is rad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I will say that watching the film for the first time, That Annabelle story was way more scary for me than the rest of the film. Oh, yeah. But rewatching it again now after uh, having some time away, I definitely appreciate the rest of the film as well.
1: It is kind of cool, though, because then it's like there's this story about Annabelle that's too scary. We can't tell you that one. Yeah. But here's a story about some woman getting possessed and wanting to kill her daughters. Now, just imagine how scary the Annabelle one was, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, for anyone who shit talks The Conjuring, I love this series and I'm gonna have nothing but good things to say about it during this episode.
0: <laughs> My first point is about the dog. It's really sad because she doesn't even get that much screen time, but she is a very important character, Sadie, which is why I named the drink after her. Yeah, she's the family's best protector. She does everything that she can for them and they don't heed her warning when she's just barking and. Like they, they're they moving all their stuff into the house and she refuses to get in. She's sitting on the porch like, no. Mm-hmm. And like whining at them. And even like that night when things don't start to go wrong yet, you don't really see anything. I think the only
1: thing that really happens the first night is the clocks stopping at 3.07.
0: Right. But you don't find that out until the next morning. Yeah. But you do see Sadie like chained outside.
1: And like barking and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And the family doesn't want to keep her out there. It's just that she doesn't want to come in Mm
1: -hmm. because she's smart and she can smell that. (laughs) She can smell that demon stank.
0: Yeah. And I also thought it was interesting that where she dies uh, the next morning, they find her dead body, unfortunately, but that's where all the birds seem to hit the window and like fall in that same spot.
1: Yeah. So So something bad happened there. Yeah. I think it's where the mom from the past killed her daughter. Or like at least in the attic where the window is. So maybe the birds were trying to get to where the mom killed the oh, daughter. Oh, yeah. Originally. That's like,
0: true because you see the ghost when the when Lorraine is like hanging the laundry and then the sheet flies and it yeah. hits the ghost. It's kind of in that spot, too.
1: Uh-huh. And then it
0: goes up to the attic window.
1: And when R- Lorraine falls through the wall um, and she gets up and the mom's like over her daughter's body and she's like, she made me do this. She made me do this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So Sadie knew exactly where all the shit was going down. <laughs> it's actually cool. And you might like Sadie even more because of this. Uh, most horror movies that have this kind of story of like coming into a place that's had terrible things happen to it mm-hmm. have the omen bringer or whatever you want to call that character. Like in Friday the 13th, the old man on the bike. Oh, yeah. gives, gives an ill omen. Yep. At the beginning of Cabin in the Woods, they make fun of the, the ill omen. So Sadie is the character that tells the family that ill omen is waiting. Our illness, bad things are about to happen. <laughs> they and it, inevitably in stories like this, the characters don't heed the warning.
0: For sure. Yeah. yeah. And Sadie was played by Dusty the dog, who actually has their own IMDb page. Good job, Dusty. And I just wanted to throw in one of the scaredy facts that I couldn't fit in the later part of our episode because it's dog themed. So director James Wan was working on the script one late night. He had just adopted a new puppy and the puppy started staring at an empty side of the room and began to growl aggressively at this like blank spot. And Wan said that his dog's head followed something all the way across the room, you know, as casually Buddy does every now and then. Yeah. Um, But he didn't see anything.
1: Which is always great. Yeah. Like (laughs) I always talk about how I hate I hate kids and would never want one because the idea of your kids standing there talking to nobody is one of the most terrifying things I can imagine. Mm. But the next most terrifying thing is when you're like petting your cat and he like suddenly looks behind you and then sort of like tilts his head like he's following something because... Now, you know, there's a ghost behind you and you're fucked.
0: At least in our house, it's Steve and he's a friendly one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or Barbara (laughs) coming to life. Um, Yeah. So any anything that doesn't communicate well with you, noticing something that you don't is immediately terrifying.
0: My next point is that there are many, many ladies in this film as leading characters, which I wanted to take a moment to actually highlight, because although horror is in general, you're going to find more women than In most other genres Um, in this film in particular, there's so many because we have the mom, Carolyn. We have their five daughters, the medium, Lorraine Warren, her daughter, her mother (laughs) and Sadie, who could forget the hero of this film? (laughs) Another
1: dog, daughter and then literally all of the ghosts.
0: Yeah, I didn't even include them. but Yeah, except for like the young boy. Oh, yeah.
1: Rory. Yeah. There's like four men, then including the boy. There's the cop. There's uh, their assistant. um, There's Ed Mm -hmm. and then there's Roger. Mm -hmm. So there's like four living men and then the priest in the one scene with the priest. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like it's mostly women, which is more
0: ladies, which is great. And as I said earlier, in particular, horror genres have more women. But then exorcisms or exorcism movies always seem to be about women. I don't I can't off the top of my head think of any exorcism that has to do with a man. Technically the They feature one in the Yeah, this. I was going to say technically
1: the like the one that broke Lorraine was uh I mean he was from Quebec, so it was probably <laughs> more knows? that he was French Canadian and not <laughs> not a man. But uh yeah, I always figured that it's It's mostly because women were never trusted. Women are hysterical. Yeah, women are never trusted. They get, quote unquote, hysterical. Like all the witch trials were about women. and Anytime a man did anything, it was usually because a woman was possessing him. Of course. Um, This is completely out of my ass. But I imagine it's because like, you know how nuns are like the holiest figure because they're the they're the wives of God, et cetera.
0: Yeah.
1: But Satan also would have wives. So Satan's more gross and sexual. So he would get those women in there. And so all these women must be witches and married to the to the devil.
0: Right. And they're corrupting something that should be so pure. Exactly. So it's more powerful that they corrupt women.
1: Yeah. Ah. And then I also wondered, I don't know this, and it's more of just a question, but I wonder if like women are more prone to epilepsy. Because I know a lot of cases of exorcisms are people seeing one of their relatives have a seizure associating it with them being possessed. And then the actual act of getting exercised causes so much stress on their body that then it triggers more epilepsy or more seizures. So they like think that they've cured it because the seizure subsides after a while and they're really exhausted and come to but also, like, you just triggered a fucking seizure, my man.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know the statistics in regards to epilepsy and if it's more prone to be with females. But regardless, the fact that, as you said earlier, like, women are more prone to be, oh, they're just hysterical. So yeah. regardless, it would be a higher level yeah. of women for Men that Men have reason. seizures.
1: Women are possessed. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, most most definitely, like, regardless of what the very specific answer is. And it's probably a bunch of answers. I think it all comes down to the fact that like women are not respected at all and don't, nobody believes women. So anything that happens to them must be a possession and not under their own accord.
0: Yeah. But I do like the parallel that you're drawing with epilepsy because uh, someone that is close to my family has epilepsy. And when they go through seizures, they don't remember what happened? Yeah. They like barely even remember the feelings that they get when they're about to have a seizure, which goes with the exorcism idea of like whenever the women are being possessed, they, when they snap out of it, they don't remember it. Yeah.
1: And it looks like the priest has done something. When the seizure's over, they're like, oh my God, what happened? And the priest is like, nailed it. Yeah. Me and God. <laughs> Look off, demon. <laughs> and then if they get possessed again, it's their own dang fault. Yeah.
0: Of course. Women. Ugh. And that flows into my next point, though, about how on one hand, there are so many leading females in this cast, which is awesome. But then on the other hand, I want to point out that all of their roles are so stereotypical. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm a mom and that's my only motivation. I'm a young girl and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm the bitchy teenage daughter and I want to choose my own room and I don't want to be here. I want
1: a man.
0: (laughs) But it's kind of sad to see, especially watching it now with this, like knowing that we're doing it for the podcast and trying to keep that lens on as we're analyzing it. The good news is that Lorraine Warren is in this film and she multiple times is shown as being really, really strong. She's a mother of... Of course, herself, but she's also a medium. And we see a lot of moments in the film where her husband's like, you're too weak to do this. Yeah, you
1: need to you need to stop. I'm going to do this one alone,
0: which isn't to say that he's an asshole because she did go through that. We know that uh, she went through that big ordeal with the previous exorcism yeah, that she they had to did. stand
1: next to a person from Quebec. <laughs> and that really just shook her. And she had to go Ugh. into her room for eight days and not eat. <laughs>
0: But regardless that that happened to her, she's not letting it control her life. She wants to help people and she is really strong. She does so much in this movie. She saves the family. Yeah. And I like that there's a moment where Roger comes up to Ed and is like, thank you so much for helping us. And Ed takes the time to be like, it's not me. It's Lorraine. She's my wife is
1: doing it. Yeah, they seem like a good team. And I think it. Considering this is the first movie of the Conjuring series and it's like about the Warrens, I think later on it's definitely shown how good of partners they are, not just like in their marriage, but in their business that they formed together. Yeah.
0: So it's good. I'm sad that all the other ladies kind of like fade into the background and have a very cookie cutter role. But I'm glad that Lorraine was portrayed in such a great
1: way. Yeah. There's just so many characters. And I think the fact that it is based on a true story of of a real family, they were kind of like forced to include five daughters and it's like how in a in a two hour movie do you express like good character development amongst five children their biggest thing is like oh we play the clapping game and also we get attacked by ghosts yeah um even it's the, not really about them no exactly they're kind of just like they're catalysts and more of like a a reason why the family is stuck there mm-hmm. because it's like we bought this house we have five daughters. You have we, to
0: take care of them. Yeah.
1: And even the dad, I would say, isn't a very interesting character. He's just dad who work. He, he's a truck driver who have bad job. Yes. So like literally just the Warrens are interesting. It's it's about the development, the character development of the Warrens.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. true. I agree.
1: Yes. I mean, even their daughter is kind of boring. Yeah. She doesn't get interested until Annabelle.
0: I don't think the grandmother and then it's a different actress. Uh, but I don't th- even think the grandmother like had any lines I don't think so
1: either you see like the back of her head when they're feeding the chickens and then you see like the front of her face when she's sleeping and then like a moment she's slamming on the door I think she just calls out their daughter's name yeah Um, and I can't even remember what the
0: daughter's name is
1: Nancy (laughs) I don't remember but yeah I think she gets like a couple lines of just yelling at the kid and that's about it
0: my last point is that Although I kind of talked about this earlier, but although it's no secret on this podcast that I'm not afraid of ghosts or demons, this film still has really good pacing and some very scary moments.
1: Oh, yeah. Like the clapping that we saw in the trailer. Yeah.
0: And the when the two daughters are in their bedroom and the demon is like pulling on their feet. Oh, yeah. That was classic. That's what really scares me is that's a fear of mine. It goes with my fear of the dark. Like I need to be covered while I'm sleeping. And I had that fear before I've watched any scary movie. It's always been like that. Yeah.
1: You got to protect your feet from the demons or they will grab you. The
0: monster's under the bed. Exactly. And there's some jump scares in this movie which there's just enough that I still like them. I know I like jump scares more than you do, but it gave me that adrenaline. But the main thing that I'm scared of is the, the idea of how much they play off of childhood fears that I have, like oh, the yeah. fear of the dark, like there's something behind the door or whatever. It's not that it's a ghost behind the door. It's just that like, there's something there and the I fear, can't
1: literally the fear of the unknown.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's so
1: good. Yeah. Their use of jump scares is really good too. Cause like, there's a lot of times where there's build up that you would think there's going to be a jump scare and we've watched a few movies that do that where it's like build up build up build up nothing and then you turn around and it's that's the real jump scare uh but this one does a good job of like letting you not have the relief so you get that tension build up and then it just goes on to a new scene and you're like what no I didn't I didn't get it. And then later on, they use it and it's really good. And there's a couple like dumb jump scares where like someone turns around and there's a human standing behind them and they're like, oh, sorry. But uh, there's very few of those. And most of them are like the the clapping one is probably the best jump scare in the uh, movie,
0: which they do give away in the trailer. But yeah.
1: Or uh. when it was coming up, I was mentioning I'm like, oh, my God, is this the movie that has that amazing cloth jump scare. Yes, When she's like doing the laundry and it like sucks the cloth away and then it like wraps around someone that wasn't there and then flutters up to the window. Yeah. I think I remember seeing a clip of that without actually seeing the movie. And I just thought that was like incredible. It's so good.
0: Which is interesting because when you were explaining that it like gave a little tinkle in my head. But mostly I was thinking of Halloween when Michael Myers is like standing in the yard. Oh,
1: looking up and at there's Laurie?
0: Yeah. And there's like the cloths hanging on the lines as well there.
1: Yeah. The use of clotheslines is very prominent in horror movies because I think there's also in Friday the 13th, uh, Jason walks through clothes mm-hmm. hanging. And I yeah. think that's where he gets like his iconic uh, coveralls in five or something like that. We're watching. Char and I are watching the documentary on Friday the Thirteenth, so I've got that in the back of my mind now.
0: Oh man! Speaking of though, I'm glad you brought that up. We are gonna have so much cool shit to talk about when we do the next one. Oh yeah! Lots when's, of good details. When's the next in there. Friday
1: the Thirteenth? Is that coming up this year? Not even in
0: this season, unfortunately. Dang but. it! We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you by The Woods Spirit Co., who provided us with the gin used in today's cocktail. They're a fabulous local distillery that actually takes the time to distill all their ingredients separately to their own specifications so that they can make the best gin they can.
1: Mm-hmm. And He, he told me it's very time-consuming <laughs> and probably not worth it, but it makes a good drink.
0: <laughs> I think by far this is... Your favorite gin
1: Oh hell yeah I love it I hope we get to a point Where I can just start Drinking it for realsies
0: (laughs) Once uh, the quarantine is over And I'm back To being able to work I can
1: just buy some (laughs) Speaking of quarantine Stay home you dumbos We don't need you Walking around on the street Without your masks And touching people And getting all your Grubby dirty mitts All over things And making old people sick That's how people Get possessed By the COVID (laughs) Wash your hands (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stay inside, play some video games, watch the Conjuring series, watch the six and a half hour long Friday the 13th documentary that's actually quite good. Oh man, so great.
0: But yeah, when people speak about like vulnerable humans and that's the reason you're doing it, I'm literally one of those yeah, vulnerable humans.
1: Don't kill or the podcast will probably end.
0: Definitely. That's
1: also, the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we've got a new patron. Thank you to Aubrey for enabling our podcasting addiction.
0: We're one step closer to being financially stable enough to focus on this endeavor of ours full time because of you.
1: If you'd like to be as cool as Aubrey is, you can head over to patreon.com slash drink and scream for some very cool rewards. Plus, you can find the details on how to make this week's cocktail.
0: Aubrey, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much. When we got the email that you were a new patron, I was like, ah! A fan! You've warmed my heart.
1: We'll also dote on you a lot if you become a patron. Yeah, i just to keep
0: calling you out every episode. <laughs> oh, Aubrey!
1: Ooh, <laughs> someone's going to clip that.
0: <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream. On Facebook at drink and scream. You can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. And you can join us on Discord at bit.ly slash hopped up Discord. A huge way to help us is to... Tell your friends, tell your family, don't tell them in person, share on social media, that sort of thing. If people are looking for recommendations, we'd love it if you could talk about us. It does wonders for us. We can't advertise the show. We can't reach out enough people as compared to you can. Plus, you want your friends to hear our amazing interview with Millie Shapiro coming out next week.
1: Hell yeah. So if you got friends who like Hereditary... Tell him. I think that's the best way to suggest a podcast like ours Is to find a movie that one of your friends really likes And suggest that episode Yes Because a lot of podcasts are like Do I listen from the beginning? Do, can I just listen any point?
0: And we love that we you can listen to any episode of ours Without feeling too left out
1: Yeah, we try not to get too in-jokey and insular Alright, back to the episode
0: Is that your last point? That was my last point. Also, this drink is so good. <laughs> yeah. I want to just drink it so fast. I'm trying to sip it and it's so good.
1: I want to nerd out a bit about the cinematography in this movie. Ooh, do tell.
0: I <laughs> feel like you you're known for this in our podcast, but I feel like it's been a while. It's
1: been a while. So I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think it's this director. I think he just works with really good cinematographer. Cinematographers? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, because he's he made Saw. He made Insidious. And I I think that those ones were great. Like, we watched Saw recently. And even though it was weird, it was definitely cinematography of its time and had a tone that it was trying to set. And something about the Conjuring movies just feel like su- they feel like money. They just feel so quality it's like triple a horror like a really good whiskey like yeah. <laughs> well i was going i was going to say more like cuz a, a whiskey horror movie i would think is more like a kind of like a dirty gritty one like it's, it's got a little bit of grit to it like it looks a little bit homemade okay but it's still you can this one's like to, like a, a, a what's the a, the wine and friends a 74 Le, Lefeur or whatever oh okay. The one that Rachel's dad loves. But it's like, it reminds me of Marvel movies. Like, it's that level of just, like, throw as much money at this movie to make it look quality because... No cinematography in this movie feels bad and it all feels so well placed for what the scene is trying to make you feel.
0: And you called out a lot of times like, "Oh,
1: that shot was so oh, good." I love that shot. Yeah. Um yeah, and they one of my favorites and this is kind of like, I know uh, it's more of like an homage to older movies and I actually spent a while before we started recording trying to see if it had like a fancy name or like a director that kind of like established this shot mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anything. And also it's just called a zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is there like a cool name for it? And it's like, no, it's just the zoom. But it's it's almost like they do they do like a wide angle shot of showing like a bunch of stuff in the in the frame. And then they'll slowly zoom in on something important. But in this movie, I fi- I feel like a lot of the times they kind of like they almost like trick you with the camera work because there's a scene where the kids are going off to school and the mom is like seeing them off on the porch and stuff like that. And the camera starts showing, like, the entire porch, the mom, the kids. And as the kids run to the bus, the camera kind of, like, zooms in very slowly on it. But there's nothing there. Like, it's not really even focusing on anything in particular. It's just kind of, like, this sense of dread of, like, something's something bad is here.
0: I feel like it kind of, especially in this film... The, ca- the camera is its own character. I feel like the camera was like a ghost, like the oh, demon. Yeah. So for uh, for that moment in particular, for me was like the demon being like, I want you, like oh, I'm yeah. going to
1: follow you wherever you go. That's a good point. And it, it definitely feels like that too, because you f- even though it's a chill scene with the kids running to school, it feels ominous. Usually I see it with like, oh, the killer is standing off in the distance. Like anytime Michael in Halloween is standing across the street or something they'll do this same shot zooming into him so it's kind of like oh I, I'm given the scene of a sweet neighborhood wait a minute what's the camera trying to show me oh my god Michael's over there mm-hmm. but this one's just like the opposite yeah it's like I'm here in the camera looking at you that's true and then there's another favorite one of mine in this movie and almost every good ghost movie Ooh. will do tracking shots of nothing
0: oh Yes, I'm glad you're bringing this Ugh, up.
1: I fucking love this shot. And I we watched The Invisible Man and they did a great job of this because the whole point of that movie was to make you feel like the guy is always in there in the scene. Yeah. But uh there's specifically a scene in The Conjuring where Roger fell asleep at his desk downstairs and before he wakes up, the camera kind of like moves from the living room to the kitchen, but it makes it seem like it's tracking an actor walking across the scene, but there's nobody there and there's just something a ab- about what they're telling you using that camera that just makes makes me feel so warm because I'm like the, it's almost like the camera knows something's there but we don't see it and it just freaks us out because it's like even if nobody recognizes that camera shot in particular just the feeling of like normally this would be tracking a human and now it's not is so yeah putting
0: I totally agree and I'm glad that you brought up the invisible man because we've kind of Brought it up a few times since we watched it this year. Yeah. And when we went to see it, I said, I want this to like not be part of the podcast. I know that it's going to hit me hard just because of the themes in it. Yeah. And I wanted to like h- enjoy it. But now... It's just so good.
1: (laughs) And I feel like we need to talk about it. I think
0: we're going to do it for like our season finale this year or something.
1: Be a good idea. Oh, it's So good. I mean, it's not like we have any new movies to do this year. And
0: that is a new movie, but we were (laughs) lucky enough to see it. It It's like
1: the last movie we saw before the (laughs) quarantine.
0: But it does such a good job of the shots that we do see in this film as well of that tracking of nothing. Oh, yeah. So super
1: good. There's a few more really good shots. Like I noticed this a lot whenever people are. Having a converse. Actually, I think I noticed this in Hereditary, but they also did this in The Conjuring, and I'll probably talk about it in Hereditary as well. But it's like a group of people are talking and then one person notices something and they'll kind of like look to the side and the camera turns with them and then keeps going to what the actor should be looking at. But then nothing is there and then it comes back and it's like, oh, I guess it was nothing. And it's just those like those subtle things where it's like the camera feels like a person, but not so much in the way that like a found footage feels like it's a person. Yeah. It's like the it's like the cinematographer of this movie knew what you would want to see and moved the camera to show you what you as a human would want to look at. So you're never doing that thing where you're like, show me what it is. Show me what it is. It's like, "Okay, here's what it is. It's nothing. And you're like, "Okay, well, I didn't want to see that. I take it back. (laughs) I take it back. Don't show me.
0: But it does go with hand in hand. What I was saying about the childhood fear of like something is there, but I can't see it. So that's really good.
1: And it goes with your jump scare thing, too, because like they'll like lull you into a sense of comfort with the idea that like, oh, even if the camera pans over there, nothing's going to be there. But then the scene where the daughter, she was like sleepwalking again. And then the other daughter puts her to bed and she stares at the armoire. And you're like, nothing's going to be there because nothing's been there this whole movie. And then suddenly the witch is on top of the armoire. And you're Uh, like, oh,
0: fuck. uh, which was very Exorcist. Oh, it, yeah. She looks so much like the girl in The Exorcist. Oh, that was really good.
1: It was so good. And it, there's oh, there's just I love it. Just again, the cinematography <laughs> in this movie just feels like money.
0: Uh, doing this episode live like right now, I'm feeling so like this movie is so much better than I anticipated <laughs> it being. Even though I had already seen it and then like watching it again. It's so we're finding so much to dissect from it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, you said in the last episode that this was like my guilty pleasure yeah, uh, ghost movie. Yeah, but it's movie. just fucking good. It's so good because it's just, because you would expect like, oh, it's a, a movie about the Warrens. It's going to be a campy horror ghost movie or whatever. But it's just like a really good, solid movie. <laughs> like James Wan does a great job. Anyways, I'm doing that Kubrick <laughs> thing. Yeah, nobody else in that movie was great. The the director, he made that movie. Oh, Yeah. Patrick Wilson in particular, like I think the first time I saw him and really recognized that I liked him was in The Watchmen when he plays um, he plays Night Owl and Watchmen. Right. And he's like sort of a different character in that, but not really, because he always plays the like professional has all of the like prepares for everything character. And Night Owl is exactly that. He's also like way out of shape in Watchmen, which is great. And then he gets really fit for all the Conjuring movies. He's kind of like a sexy dad. Wow, maybe that's why I like him. He's like a he's like a hot dad in all the Conjuring movies. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I like him. I think he's becoming probably one of my favorite actors.
0: I definitely like him as this character, but I hate him in Insidious. I think he's the main reason I don't love Insidious. And I know that you do. And this is probably hurting your brain and I mean, your now heart.
1: It's been long enough that I don't quite remember Insidious. The first one, because the last one we watched was the uh, Lost
0: Key. Yeah. Last
1: Key. Something key because we did that thing where we watched every Insidious movie in a row and, it and just they're all blended, blended together. together. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I from what I can remember, he's been good in everything I've seen. I think he's also in the Johnny Cash documentary. I haven't seen that. Biopic, whatever it's called. But uh, yeah, I like him. That's not one of my facts. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> he makes this movie feel like money. My second point is that
0: Whoa, we've been talking a lot.
1: It's <laughs> yeah, awesome. It. It's a good movie. My second point is that um, I would not stick around at all for the events of this movie.
0: You mentioned that while we were watching it, you were like, I'd be out. I'd leave you. And I was like, what are you talking about?
1: It's (laughs) true. I mean, like the the dad has an out. He had to go to Florida to do some trucking work. Oops, the car crashed and uh, your husband died.
0: You're going to be that dad that goes out for cigarettes and doesn't come back. If
1: my family was haunted, I would. Why don't
0: you save them? Because I don't want to. And it's ghosts. If Buddy was haunted, you would leave Buddy to die?
1: I would leave you and Buddy to die.
0: No, you wouldn't.
1: (laughs) No, you would not. Okay, first I would take him to the hospital to see if the possession is just epilepsy. But if someone was like, it's a demon, I'd be like, well, I'm a demon out of here. And then skedaddle and not even care that that's a bad joke.
0: Well, don't worry, buddy. I'll take care of you.
1: The second that the daughter was banging her head up against the armoire, I wouldn't stop her. I would walk out the door, grab my jacket, walk out the door, take my truck down to Florida where there are more ghosts. I would take it away from a a coastal town, a coastal state, because all the coastal states seem to be possessed as fuck. I'll go to whatever fucking. Florida coastal state yeah it's the little dick at the side of oh yeah right yeah just need to cut it off um (laughs) like I'll go to whatever state the strangers happened in and deal with them because I can kill those three assholes or they'll kill me and I'll be done with but I if I get possessed in the fucking townhouse that I bought that has a closed up cellar like I'll take that back I wouldn't leave when my kid uh, was banging their head up against the armoire I would leave when I found there was a hidden cellar in this house that I just bought really Why is the cellar closed off? So many free square footage. Yeah, but what discernible reason did the last owner close up that cellar and then not tell me about it?
0: Well, the bank had it. I have some facts about that. The bank
1: would know that there's hidden square footage. I have facts. The bank has a blueprint about the fucking house. You're
0: wrong, but I'm going to tell you about it later. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Anyways, I would not... Like, the moment that one of my daughters slammed into the wall and it's, like, hidden cellar, I'd be like, all right, well, we're leaving. I don't care if all our money is is stuck in this town. Uh, we're fucking off. We'll leave, live in my truck. Cause okay. That cellar probably has ghosts in it, and I just you just let them out by playing your clapping game. <laughs> you guys can come with me if you want. I don't care. I'm already in the truck. I'll <laughs> leave it running for the next 10 minutes, and whoever gets in can come with me. Anyways, that's just... Setting expectations for you. Thanks. Yeah.
0: I'm glad we decided not to have children.
1: Or a house.
0: But you're not letting us, you're not leaving Buddy
1: behind. He can come with. He would, he would be the first to leave. Cats and dogs hate demons. You know this. (laughs) He would be hissing at the door and trying to claw his way out. Anyways, my last fact is, uh, (laughs) I think the reason that I really like these movies, other than the fact that they're made of money, is that they almost feel like satisfying versions of those like shitty ghost hunter shows on like A&E and stuff. You know, the ones where a, a group of assholes walks into a house totally. and they're like, we're yes. going to have fun. Hey, ghosts talk to us. I actually used to watch those a lot with my mom, uh, like before school and stuff.
0: Before school. Interesting.
1: Well, it depends. It was either ER or ghost hunting shows. And it was usually the same channel. I think Annie had ER on it as well, but, um, yeah, I used to watch those all the time and 90 percent of the time they were terrible. Like you're it's so unsatisfying when they do like an hour's worth of ghost hunting only to be like, we didn't find anything. Yeah. But there's even that scene in this movie where they're like, oh, your creaky floors and this pipe made it sound like there were ghosts up here. But it was nothing. Don't worry about it. it was so reminiscent of those shows that I just I, I love that scene so much because it's like, yeah, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's ghosts.
0: And I like that most of the time this couple has said so many times, like it's ninety percent of the time, yeah. more than ninety percent. It's usually nothing.
1: nothing, and in the fact that they are upfront about that, I don't know how much the Warrens for realsies were upfront about it. But the idea that like the movie Warrens are like, yeah, you know what? It's it's just your floor. Pay us pay us your hundred and fifty bucks for the night, and uh, we'll get on our way.
0: I'm a hard skeptic, so I don't believe any of these are the supposedly true stories. I don't think they are, but I like to respect the Warrens.
1: I mean, there's a creaking in our house that every time it happens, you freak out. And I'm like, it's literally the it's always the fridge.
0: And I'm always like, (laughs) it's a human that's come to steal Buddy from us.
1: (laughs) From the fridge. Someone has dug their way through the fridge. That's your next point. That's it. That's all my points. The movie's good. I like it. And you should, too, people out there.
0: Well, that means it's time for
1: Scaredy Facts.
0: So every time that we do this podcast, we love to end off with our Scaredy Facts section, which is based on our real life relationship, where every time that we watch a horror movie, we get a little bit scared. So (laughs) we decide to snuggle up together and go on some movie trivia websites like IMDb, among other things, and read some trivia. To help make us realize this is totally not real.
1: I like that this time, though, you specifically told me that you weren't getting unscared from looking at the trivia facts. Yeah. You were sitting next to me freaked out while I was playing Animal Crossing. And you're like, this time it's not working. (laughs) And then
0: there were so many noises. Like, Buddy was, like, running around and, like, jumping on shit. And then the fridge went off. Stupid fridge, man.
1: (laughs) Barbara came to life and just started swinging at us.
0: So starting with the budget, it was an estimated $20 million. Opening weekend of the United States alone was, uh, they doubled their money, nice. $41.8 million.
1: I wonder if from the director of Saw and Insidious really helped this movie. Definitely. Yeah.
0: And the fact that it's based on Ed and Lorraine Warren and like... Everyone
1: loves that sassy couple.
0: But the amount of success that this movie found is definitely why it became such a huge
1: series why it became the marvel of yeah. horror movies because
0: cumulative worldwide gross 319.5 million
1: Jesus that could From a pay 20 f- million budget that could pay for 10 more of these movies more than 10 <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is what they did. Also, I take it back, uh, uh, Nick Fury wouldn't walk up to the old lady and Ed Warren and be like, we're going to form a team. He walks up to Annabelle and the crooked man and the nun and he's like, I'm forming a team of of demons.
0: (laughs) My first scary fact is that it's no secret that this film is based on the real Warren couple and one of their real cases. Ed and Lorraine Warren investigated the Perrins' Rhode Island farmhouse in 1973 and in 1974. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga both traveled to Connecticut to meet with the real Lorraine Warren prior to filming. The real Perrin family actually visited the set of the film while it was uh, in production. When the real-life parents visited the set in North Carolina, they felt a cool wind whip throughout the set. They also noticed that the intense sudden draft did not move or shake any of the leaves on <gasps> the trees.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Whoa.
0: This is like one of the film's Film sets that's like known to be like, oh, spooky things happen there. I'm
1: excited. It's cool.
0: Eight generations of families lived and died in the house before the parents moved in. There was Andrea Perrin suggested that some of the spirits from the families never left. Deaths included. This is going to be a little triggering for some people, just so you know. Two documented suicides, a poisoning death, the rape and murder of an 11 year old girl two drownings and the passing of four men who froze to death. Most deaths occurred within the Arnold family from which, uh, Beth Bathsheba Sherman was descended, which (gasps) is the, which Bethesda was here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This was the inspiration for fallout.
0: Something that's interesting about this film is that it contains no sex or nudity. There's barely any profanity. It's pretty tame and mostly bloodless violence. And like barely any depiction of alcohol or smoking, and yet it still received an R rating. And this was solely for its scare factor alone. The MPAA said simply that the film was so scary that there was no cuts or edits possible that would make it a viable PG-13 film. And the filmmakers uh, didn't want to alter the film's tone, so they just accepted the R rating and were like, eh, whatever.
1: That's cool, which is is also interesting because the fact that there's like... Little violence, not that much swearing, uh, very little blood. Again, makes it feel like a Marvel movie where it's like, oh, yeah, Thanos has been chopped in the shoulder with a giant axe. But no, there's no blood, no <laughs> visible blood.
0: It's fine.
1: Don't <laughs> That's worry about true. it.
0: OK, this is where I get into the stuff that you were saying about, like the home and like, how do they not know the stuff about the home? So in the film, they say that it's from the bank and the bank doesn't know what the history of the home is but in the actual state of Rhode Island doesn't require home sellers to disclose documented histories of a location's criminal activity let alone like any paranormal or supernatural hauntings to potential buyers so that's why the actual real life parents were unaware of all the previous events of the film of Mm. the hauntings
1: I guess they also mentioned that they're not churchgoers or like really that religious. They probably don't know about a lot of the hauntings. Mm-hmm. Cause I would imagine like a religious gathering or whatever would have information on like local hauntings or whatever to avoid the demon here. Don't go to the parents' house, but they weren't really that interested in it.
0: Yeah. You kind of mentioned this Kelly while we were watching, but that's why I included this fact. Although you kind of also just said the fact while you were talking about your points, but director James Wan modeled the film cinematography, Cinematography purposefully after vintage 1970s Heck horror. Yeah, films. nailed
1: it. I so, didn't even look that up. I but just you're right. I picked on <laughs> up on it, which is that's a good thing because like that means he did a really good job of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, another cool thing is that the production initially was tried to scout a number of farmhouses to shoot in the Cape Fear region of southeastern North Carolina until they found the house featured in the movie. It is located on the Black River in Pender County. They only filmed the exterior of the home there, though. So all the like outside shots, the lawn, that kind of thing. But all interior shots were filmed on an actual studio set at Screen Gems Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina.
1: I imagine the actors appreciated that because the actual exterior of that house looked like there would be a lot of mosquitoes.
0: So true. <laughs> this is the first film directed by James Wan to not feature a cameo of the Billy puppet doll from the Saab film series.
1: Jeez. Oh, Can you imagine fucking Ed Warren leading you through his museum of horrors and just Billy is sitting on one of the shelves? That would break... I guess it would ruin it. It would break the fourth wall so hard. Like, Part of
0: me really wants it, but the fact that this is an actual real couple that has done this and this museum is a very real museum of artifacts would be so it would immersion it.
1: breaking. Yeah. Like you can get away with that with like Bride of Chucky having Jason's mask and all the other things yeah. we mentioned. But if you had fucking Billy sitting on on one of the shelves in that room, it would be so bad.
0: <laughs> Only a few facts left. At the end of the movie, Lorraine Warren gets off the phone and tells Ed that the priest wants to discuss a case on Long Island. That's referencing the Amityville horror case, which uh, was the basis of the the movies from 1979.
1: Nice. Pretty cool. And all the subsequent movies that we watched in that series.
0: I wonder if the Conjuring series will be able to take those.
1: With $300 million, they could probably buy buy it. Buy the Amneyville house, recreate the events and then say you're basing the movie off those events.
0: (laughs) All right. Wrapping us up. The real Bathsheba Sherman was suspected of witchcraft and of killing an infant child, but her name was legally cleared after being found not guilty by a court of law. She died of natural causes in 1885, not by hanging as the movie portrays. She's you can visit her grave. She's buried in Harrisville, Rhode Island.
1: That's what they say.
0: She's not a witch. Witchcraft is fake.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> it's just a lot sexier than they depict it in a lot of these movies. It's not about people trying to kill children. It's about wanting to walk into the woods naked and flying up into the sky with your best friends.
0: We just have to do the witch.
1: Yeah. The you all know, you mean the witch? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, uh, I mentioned it at the start. Lorraine Warren is the elder woman in the front row of the classroom when Carolyn is listening to the Warrens presentation. Nice. So she was there, but uh, her husband has already passed. No. I, th-
1: I think she think dies before now Annabelle.
0: Yeah, because she was in the credits as like dedicated to. Yeah.
1: You. Now tell me about those guns and cars.
0: Unfortunately, I have no information. No, there I'm were so sorry. many cars
1: in this movie. I'm
0: sorry. Ah.
1: <laughs> Do you have a final thought for me? I feel like I mostly said that in this uh, in my whole breakdown of this movie. But um, I recently watched the Marvel series and so many people gave me like chuff about it. Yeah. Yeah. When they're like, oh, it's not real movies. Oh, it's just like mm, cheesy crap, blah, blah, blah. But like once in a while, you just want a movie that had the money and was well crafted and doesn't have to be like. We watched um, A Woman Walks Home at Night alone. A Woman Walks Alone Home at Night. One of those ones. <laughs> um, and that's like the, the cool, like, indie artsy feel. But once in a while, you just want like a... A, a, a big m- budget a movie. A money movie. You yeah. just want fucking money music, my dude. And uh, I think The Conjuring series is that. And I've, I've never not enjoyed one of The Conjuring movies. Even The Nun. And um, that's it, isn't it? The Nun and Annabelle. Wasn't there supposed to be more spinoffs? There's going to be the crooked man. Right. Which uh, had to be delayed, of course. I remember during our Annabelle episode, we were like, thinking of all the movie spinoffs they could do from that. It's like that weird game that they had. Would you put your hand oh, in the box? Oh, man, the
0: feely mealy yeah. I do not want that. That's or, the most like childhood fear it could be. Or
1: the ferryman or the samurai suit that when you look at it, you hear war crimes. Which
0: was in this movie and you were like, oh, yeah. I love
1: the samurai suit. You look at it and you hear war crimes.
0: It was very cool to see <laughs> that museum. Especially now. It was, and yeah, exactly. Like very well remade in the... Annabelle that we had seen when we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Are you done? I'm done. Yes. My final thought is that it was great to rewatch this film again. I found that it really holds up from the first time that I watched it and all the other times in between. I've seen it a few times and every time it still scares me. I'm not really afraid of ghosts or demons, but it gets me thinking of like different possibilities of questions like we were talking about. There was something that we were discussing at the end of watching it. I forget now, but it was like a whole discussion that we had. Um, and every time that I watch this movie, I have a different discussion that I need to like analyze. Like, what do you think about? I think it was the exorcisms. And, yeah, like,
1: why do women? Yeah. why are women always the ones getting exorcised? And yeah. French Canadians.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my final thought.
1: Maybe it's because the man started speaking French, but they're like, "That's not real French. He must be possessed." Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's been The Conjuring, a movie why it's a bad idea to have five children, or any children, or a pet, or a partner. Just just get an apartment and hide under your, your blankets, because that'll protect you from the demons.
0: I'm stealing, buddy. We're going to start our own podcast. It's going to be me and a bunch of meows. <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching the legendary horror film, Hereditary, featuring an interview with the fabulous Millie Shapiro, who played Charlie in the movie. We've already interviewed her. We can tell you that we know it's going to be amazing. So get ready for that. No pressure, Kelly.
1: kind of made me feel old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And remember, always scream responsibly. Bye!